Good morning. Bring you greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. We've been going two Sundays. When we buy a product or something, there's usually something that comes along with that that aids us in knowing more about it or maybe the dangers that go with it. I think it's required by law. And that thing is called a label. There's all sorts of labels. Posted, uh, especially if it is in regards to injury, uh, even death. If it could cause death, it has to be placard, has to be posted. So what is the purpose of a label? It's to give us caution. It's to give us awareness that there is something that is going to be somewhat dangerous to our life. For example, one I thought of is a skid loader. Now we all know that we don't raise the bucket and go out the door, right? That's understood? Yeah, I do that. But there is um, a sticker in there that shows this stick figure with the loader up and it coming down and he's in a hunched over position and it will cause death. Now, I saw that label. Does that label mean anything to me? There's a safety lockout that I will use but once in a while there is that predicament that you're in that you cannot use it what about chainsaw when you buy a chainsaw does I mean obviously we're not green enough that we we we've been around them but you know if, if you didn't ever saw a chainsaw and you were not sure how to run it I mean you wouldn't grab the end with the chain on and try and start it that would be dumb. There is labels on that as well that show that what can happen if you misuse a chainsaw. I also have a, a drug out in my barn cabinet that is deadly and it's called Micotel 300. Now you that are farmers probably know what that drug is. It's a drug used for cattle and sheep. It's for respiratory. And it has killed at least 25 people over the course of the late 90s till now. The Food and Drug Administration officials have issued a warning in regards to this 
it's a drug that if you get a tiny little drop, even if you get a nickel, a, a needle prick, it can cause you to have complications. So it's very potent and very um, something that you want to take with great respect. We had a neighbor who was going through treating his cattle and he accidentally stuck himself with it. Didn't think he got much in it, in himself, but the needle still went in him. And uh, he was taken in and monitored. And fortunately now, they do have a counteractive. You have to get in connection with Rocky Mountain Poison Control, and they have an antidote that will offset it. But trying to explain, my neighbor was telling me, trying to explain to all the emergency personnel that came, what is this, and then to have the bottle and the label, and then trying to figure out what in the world is this stuff, and why you're using it, he said it was just like heart. But with some ex experts on it, they were able to offer him life. And he continues to live. I have a label here this morning. Most labels have somewhat of a negative uh, association because it... If you don't do it, it will reap a, a consequence, and therefore it's effective. This warning I'm going to give you this morning is one of being positive. Now I know you probably will not be able to read that all the way back there. It's a warning. Bible usage can be a habit forming. Regular reading of the Bible can cause loss of anxiety and fear and decrease appetite for impatience and anger. Symptoms include increased love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If, si if symptoms persist, just praise the Lord. If you wonder what sometimes perk me to messages, this was one of them. I saw it and thought, "Hey, that I gotta, I gotta file that one. I want to use it sometime." <clears throat> There's also manuals that come with um, things that we buy. And I used to, when I was younger, I used to enjoy grabbing a manual and looking, going to the picture part and looking at all the pictures of the different warnings and seeing just all the crazy characters that they, you know, how, how could this ever happen that this person could be this way or, you know, it shows a person, you know, flailing around because he got into a PTO. I mean, to me that was like, you know, how could that ever happen? But it happens so fast and it has to be done with respect. Now, do we consult the manual? Or do we wait till we have a problem? 
also thinking of manuals. I don't know how many people go shopping at Ikea, but I find that sometimes the stuff from Ikea, this is just on a side note, the lack of directions and, and instructions at putting and assembling something together is very lack. It's almost like you got to know their language and just understand pictures. And if it doesn't work, you backtrack and you try a different way. But do we like to do things over? Do we like to repeat things? No. Do it right the first time and get it done. Sometimes I have to do it over because I didn't follow the manual. I missed an important step and I got to do it over. How often do we consult this manual? You know, this morning we're looking at labels and some of these labels are between life and death. And this morning we're between life and death. And what are we going to do about it? So as I was considering the events, the events of this week and coming week, thinking of Darren's moving, this is going to be their last Sunday here. They come again, there'll be visitors. So I wanted this to be something encouraging to them. In Psalms 37, verse 5, a very familiar verse. This was also a verse that stood out to me as I was reflecting on this. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Have we committed our way to the Lord? Darren and Beth, have you committed your way to the Lord? I know you have. I trust you have. Because obviously you're taking the steps of faith in following through, following Him. But the best thing to do is to remember to include God in your planning. Make it a part of your everyday planning. I see a surrender to self. I no longer am planning what I want to do, but what God wants me to do. We're all on a journey. And we need to talk to the Master, the one who created you and me, and knows me better than I know myself. So I need to surrender my will to His will. Give up my personal agenda. Give up my what I think I would like to do. Does that mean that I can't enjoy some of the things I like to do? No. But it changes my, my focus, my, my loyalty, my, maybe my, my drive, um, what makes me tick, what makes me beat. I remember a fellow, he was not a Christian, but he was a fisherman. 
And he loved to fish, and fishing loved him. He would do these sponsors, and he would have the latest and greatest equipment, the latest and greatest boats and tackle. Now you would say, what's wrong with that? Well, the interesting thing was that he did give his life to the Lord. And when he did that change from being controlled by fishing, his master was different. And you could tell that about him. Did he stop fishing? No. He enjoyed fishing even more. But it wasn't the fishing that controlled him, but it was God who now, the the maker of everything, was controlling him. So what does it mean to commit my way to the Lord? Turn with me to Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. There we we see not some or little, but it's all. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. That doesn't leave anything covers it all. What does it mean to commit to the Lord? It means giving it all. 100%. Full, dedicated, maxed out. We like when people give it the, all they got. Those that hire people, I mean, you can tell whether the, whether your employees are behind you or not, whether they're giving it all they've got. If they're going the second mile, doing extra stuff, you know they're in it. But if they're around the corner, taking their time, maximizing the breaks, give it all. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of it for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here we are consulting the manual. We're not supposed to worry about the things of our life. God will take care of it. I like to think I like to take care of it. That's my human nature. I want to do what I can to do make sure that I have food place to live shelter but you know God takes care of that sometimes we plow ahead and we full steam ahead and we and we maybe get ahead of God and we we blunder We took a trip to Arizona here. 
And while we were trying to get home, the roads were shut. We couldn't get home. Literally. We left Sunday morning from Texas, and we had a long day. Got to Des Moines, and as we kept consulting the 511, the road report, we pulled up the map, and all the roads in the southern, anything from the city south, were all red, meaning no travel. Northern half of Iowa, from Des Moines north, all red. What do you do? You know, I could have plowed ahead and said, I'm getting home no matter what. I felt like it. If I'd have had my excursion, I probably would have. But you know what? After seeing some of those snow drifts, I would have been one of those people that had been stranded out there in the road that those snow plows had to drive around. Or it would have been airborne on top of a snow drift. And there would have been. As much as I was not impressed that I couldn't get home, I had to tell myself I need to enjoy this. I knew my family was at home slaving away without me. And that made it even worse. But you know, to come home a day late and to know that uh, my family was safe, there was no accidents, you know, God was protecting. It wasn't my plan, it was His plan. We don't understand why these things happen. But we know there's a reason for it being that way. And you know, that's what gives the Christian peace when times get tough and difficult, knowing that God has a plan. Even though we may not understand it. We'd like to understand it. But God is working His plan. So commit your way, your path, your endeavors to Him. Four years earlier, same thing. We're heading to Arizona. We're on our way back. Some of the children were sick. And we left. And of course, I get down the road about 12 hours. Guess what? I start feeling sick. You can't drive when you're sick. We stopped and ate supper and I just about nearly took it out. So we decided to get a motel. That was not our plan. I was going to drive straight through. So we got a motel. And that's the night we were broke into. Thanks to someone swinging by at 1 o'clock in the morning. Noticing that someone was in our vehicle and left in a hurry. But then again, there we were stuck in... Moriarty, it's a little town east of Albuquerque. There we were stuck in a motel for another, I think it might have been two or three nights, and we couldn't get home. I was frustrated. But as we were going down through, we this was the first time we went back through that town since we since that happened. So we were reminiscing. 
and discussing how there's the little town, there's the motel, there's the McDonald's. We had Declan's first birthday. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had somewhat of a apprehension, but I had peace about it. And, you know, and, you know we asked the question, why? But, you know, out of the whole thing, it could have turned all kinds of different ways. We did have one bag that was stolen, and uh, I had my computer in there, I had my toolbox in there. I mean, the guy literally had to climb all over that to get up to the front to start to start hot wiring it and he didn't grab any of that but he grabbed this bag which was kind of like a leather bag and in that bag was my wife's journal some books that she had gotten at Christmas time and her Bible of all bags to grab he grabbed the best bag so I that's the only comfort I can have. And I hope that Bible is somewhere um, doing something. And, you know, I may never know what the journey that Bible took. But God is working His will, His perfect plan, in each of our lives. Are we going to commit our plan and our path to Him? Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The yoke of Jesus is going to be light. If we try to take our own path, we're going to only burden ourselves down. And we're going to get ourselves into who knows what. And we will have heavy burdens. Something powerful happens when you make a decision, you make up your mind, and you act on it. We determine no more back and forth. Well, if I do this or if I do that, but when you make a decision and you go with it, there's something that happens. I have a feeling that Darren and Beth probably had that decision at one point. Do we? Don't we? What if? What if? But once a decision was made and they acted on it, things could start falling into place. And then we need to be ready to move forward. But as we move forward, we need to be on guard and we need to be ready if God shuts the door. And then consider what next. Proverbs 3. Verses 1 through 8. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of day, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. 
Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon thy t- the tables of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. When we commit our ways to God, to the Lord, he will bless our efforts according to his perfect will and ways. And it will be beyond our understanding. It will be beyond what we even probably expect and anticipate. We need to serve the Lord faithfully and leave the results to Him. We will, as long as we're in this life, we will face difficulties, but we can trust God that He will be there by our side. Thinking of the the manual and guiding and directing us and the value of having Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. There's a story of a painting, and I'm going to read it. A wealthy man and his son loved to collect rare works of art. They had everything in their collection. They would often sit together and admire the great works of art. When the Vietnam conflict broke out, the son went to war. He was very courageous, and he died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his only son. About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hand, and he said, Sir, you don't know me. But I am a soldier for whom your son gave his life. He saved many lives that day, and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart, and he died instantly. He often talked about you and your love for the art. The young man held out his package. I know this isn't much. I'm not ready. I'm not really a great artist, but I think your son would have, would have wanted you to have this. The father opened the package. It was a portrait of his son painted by the young man. He stared at it in awe at at the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes that his own eyes welled up with tears. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. Oh no, sir, I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift. The father hung the portrait over his mantle, and every time visitors came to his home, He took them to see the portrait of his son before he showed them any of the other great works he had collected. The man died a few months later. There was a great auction for his paintings. Many influential influential people gathered, excited over seeing the great paintings and having an opportunity to purchase one for their collection. On the platform... On the platform sat the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gravel. We will start the bidding with the picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? There was silence. 
Then a voice in the back of the room shouted, We want to see those famous paintings. Skip this one. But the auctioneer persisted. Will someone bid for this painting? Who will start the bidding? Hundred? Two hundred? Another voice shouted angrily, We didn't come to see these paintings. We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the others. Get on with the real bid. But still, the auctioneer continued, The sun, the sun, he'll take the sun. Finally, a voice came from the very back of the room. It was a long-time gardener of the man of, of the man and his son. I'll give ten dollars for the painting. Being a poor man, it was all he could afford. We have ten dollars. Who bid twenty? Give it to him for ten. Let's see the master, masters. Ten dollars is the bid. Won't someone bid twenty? The crowd became angry. They didn't want the picture of the sun. They wanted the more wealthy investments for their collections. The auctioneer pounded the gravel going once, twice, sold for ten dollars. A man sitting in the second row shouted, Now let's get on with the collection. The auctioneer laid down his gravel and said, I'm sorry, the auction is over. What about the paintings? I'm sorry. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told a secret stipulation in the will. I was to allow to reveal this stipulation only until now. Only the paintings, only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. Whoever bought the painting would inherit the entire estate, including the paintings. The man who took the sun gets everything. God gave his son 2,000 years ago to die on a cruel cross, much like the auctioneer. His message today is the sun, the sun. Who'll take the sun? Because whoever takes the sun gets everything. C.S. Lewis once said, The future is something which which everyone reaches at a rate of 60 minutes an hour, whatever he does, whoever he is. And I was listening to a CD this week by Stanley Fox. He was also speaking of how he figured out how we are hurtling through time at 67,000 miles per hour. And he used the example from past eternity to past future. Past eternity to future eternity. We're in this section of time cruising at 60,000 miles per hour and we're headed in for a head-on collision where time will be no more. Am I taking God's manual? Am I making it part of my life? Am I giving God first place in my life? Every detail has been accounted for and meticulously planned with God's greater plan, and that is for good. As God writes his story of history, he's not telling the same old story. It's a story that continues to be told. And it's going to be a story that is incomparable to any other story that can ever be told. He is writing a masterpiece of all masterpieces. We might not see it clearly now, but we can trust in Him that someday we will 
see it more clearly. With that, the Lord bless each one of you. The Lord's blessing on Darren and Beth and Lyric and Lakeland as you continue to seek Him. Let's all take God's word, God's manual. Let's not get sidestepped or side-caught in one of those instances where we're like the the labels where there's death that could have been avoided.